Thank you to Shopify and ExpressVPN for sponsoring this video. More on them after the reaction. How's it going, citizens of the Reject Nation? We are here for another solo cinematic sojourn, sojourn. catching up on a 90s classic uh, that I have uh, heard a lot about over time. I remember seeing the picture of Brad Pitt in the calendar section of the newspaper, being very compelled by that image. Uh, and since then, the mystique has only built. I can only imagine what the actual experience of watching the movie will be like at this point. But uh, we're going to break that illusion in just a moment. It's time for David Fincher's Fight Club, based on the novel by Chuck Palahniuk. Palahniuk. Now, however you say that, leave a like for cinematic adaptations of novels. Leave a like for uh, what I am sure is going to be a completely inspiring and uh, aspirational motion, motion picture. picture. Uh, be sure to subscribe and hit the notification bell to get notified every time one of these movie reactions comes your way or could come your way. Um, and as always, big thanks to Prepper for helping us edit down these highlights. It is tough work. And if you would like to see everything that doesn't make these reaction highlight reels, you want to get the full Fight Club experience alongside me, come on over to patreon.com slash therealrejects where you can sync up with your own copy. We also got a ton of other shows and movies over there with highlights and watch-alongs included. Without further ado, my friends, get yourself some reject merch. I, I psyched you out. Haha. -ha. Uh, yeah, rejectnationshop.com. If you want to support the channel and rock a little swag in the process, show your reject nation pride. Come on over there. It's a great way. It's our one of our favorite ways to support the channel. And uh, now, without further ado, uh, let's put up our dukes because it's time for Fight Club. Yeah. That needle drop, boy. Oh, where is your mind? This is down in some deep dark hole somewhere. Narrator, they call him, and they and they even spliced a fun little image in for us at the very end. Wow, dude! I'm gonna need a minute to process this. <laughs> it's good though, because like after so many years of again having this movie you know, built up and it's, you know, status continuing to grow and shift as society continues to grow and shift. Like, you know, this, this certainly was a substantial meal, something to chew on, you know, I would have been fascinated to have experienced this at the time in which it, it, you know, was originated, but also from the here and now fascinating experience. Uh, I love this powder blue text for the credits here. Why why don't we take a second? I'm going to I'm going to just, you know, process this for a hot mo and uh let's 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 hear from our uh, video sponsors today. Completely in fitting with <laughs> this motion picture. <laughs> Thank you to Shopify for sponsoring, which is what we use for our merch store and is our game-changing partner in e-commerce. So whether you're launching a passion project or scaling to new heights, Shopify is the e-commerce powerhouse guiding you at every step. From creating your first online store to opening physical locations, Shopify makes it seamless. It's perfect whether you're selling exclusive merch or unique collectibles, thanks to their all-encompassing platform for both online and in-store sales. Their checkout system unmatched. It's 36% more effective at converting visitors into buyers than other platforms. 
platforms. And let's not forget Shopify Magic, the AI tool that elevates your business with minimal effort. But seriously, reflecting on our journey using Shopify for www.rejectnationshop.com, it's been transformative. The transition, smooth, growth, exponential. Thank you again, Reject Nation. From simplifying sales to scaling our offerings, Shopify has been a cornerstone of our success. And Shopify isn't just for us. It powers 10% of US e-commerce, backing businesses big and small in over 175 countries. Their award-winning support always there to guide you. So ready to join the revolution? Sign up for Shopify at only a dollar a month at shopify.com slash rejects. All lowercase, shopify.com slash rejects. Start your Shopify success story now. Let's grow together with Shopify team. Big thanks to ExpressVPN for sponsoring this video, a real game changer I've been using for years. That's right. Years. So whenever they want to work with us, it's an instant yes. You've likely heard about ExpressVPN for online privacy and security, but there's more to it than that. However, there was a very real incident recently with Spectrum shutting down my internet and contacting me due to a suspecting hacking attempt. And funny enough, I realized I hadn't actually activated my ExpressVPN on my new laptop that I got a couple of months ago. So I was paying the consequences. Having faced a serious hacking issue on YouTube a couple years ago, that made ExpressVPN my go-to for both security and freedom. I mean it. And yes, what you've heard is true. Believe me, this channel knows. You can use ExpressVPN to watch movies and shows on Netflix that are not available in your country. This means accessing a vast array of content of over 100 countries, like a global cinema at your fingertips. It's super easy. Open ExpressVPN, switch locations, refresh the browser, and there you have it. Whether it's K-dramas on South Korean Netflix, Hulu, BBC, iPlayer, YouTube, or more, ExpressVPN has you covered. And it's incredibly fast, ensuring no buffering or lag for smooth HD streaming. It's versatile too, working on not just computers, but phones, media consoles, smart TV, and more. This means you can enjoy your favorite shows on anywhere, any screen. Protect and elevate your internet experience. So if you want to get access to hundreds of new shows, use my link, expressvpn.com slash rejects. And you can get an extra three months of ExpressVPN for free. That's expressvpn.com slash rejects. So head to expressvpn.com slash rejects to learn more. Thank you again. Oh my goodness. Okay. <laughs> God, man, finally. It, like, this movie has been looming over me since it came out way back in the day. I wasn't kidding. Like, this and Blade, I feel like, came out around the same time and were both movies where, like, I saw the poster in the, you know, newspaper section where they had all the movies and I, like, would cut it out and be like, oh, man, I don't know what this is, uh, but I want to see it. You know, Mischief, Mayhem, and Soap. It grabbed me. Good marketing. And, uh... I can't imagine what I would have gotten out of this if I had watched it at the time of release, obviously. I think <laughs> I think I've kind of, at least from my vantage point here in this moment, I feel like uh, I've caught this at the right time in my life. Because obviously, I mean, you know, this is a, a movie that's been hot, hotly debated over time. And, and certainly, you know, whenever you see memes online of like the the quintessential if you idolize this character you're missing the point starter package figures you know you often see tyler durden included among them and for good reason i mean this is uh, it's, it's a fascinating sort of um rorschach test i guess i would call it because yeah this is uh it reminds me certainly of um Oh, God, what was the other movie that came to mind? Uh, just as we, American Psycho, certainly, where like there's a certain amount of people who really kind of uh, buy in wholeheartedly to the power fantasy that that movie presents and the uh, perspective of its lead character. And granted here, you know, the lead character is, you know, a dual is a split personality, essentially. Um, but, you know, Jack and Tyler are cut of the same cloth. They're two sides of the same mind. Uh, and yeah. 
yeah, it's it's the humanity or what's what's left of the humanity. This like stunted, uh, kind of neutral human presence in Jack being you know sort of further and further corrupted by you know this persona he dreamed up to you know realize what he sees as being his full potential and the way in which I, I found it fascinating, you know, because this is one of those movies that has that twist and I feel like it's hard. It joins a pantheon or it joined a pantheon of, you know, movies that, that have some sort of, yeah, uh, alternate personality motif, uh, either meant to, you know, shock us with a twist or I think here, um, more directly just sort of comment. Like I think there are two uses often of this twist. Either it will be to get, you know, a shock in on you and, uh, you know, really pull the rug out and, and kind of uh, try and dazzle you with cleverness. Or I think, you know, this is an example of a movie where, like, it is a surprise, certainly. It is a twist, but I feel like it is more of a thematic element. And even though part of the fun, I would imagine, would be going back and rewatching the film and sort of noting where and how. Tyler appears around other people and, you know, what their interactions are like and, you know, when you trade, you know, the figurative, you know, visual representation for who is really talking in any given moment. You know, it's like I'm sure you'll be switching out like they're like they acknowledge sometimes Jack is like on the periphery to sort of spectating and is sort of, um, you know, much further from the spotlight as he just lets Tyler take control and, and you know, and lets him grandstand and and really soaks in just the full complete indulgence of being Tyler maybe with with one toe still in reality then there are the times where yeah he's blacking out and becoming entirely Tyler and, and granted we don't really see a heck of a lot of Tyler on his own but it is fascinating too because um yeah like uh, just thinking back Again, like this is one of those movies where you start to talk about it, you start to kind of think about it and break it down. And especially the way we shoot these, you know, here in real time, part of me is like, oh, man, there's going to be so much more that probably would come from a second examination or just further rumination and whatnot. Um, but, yeah, I thought this made really interesting use of a motif like that. And, yeah, as a means of commenting on, you know, the kind of uh, position that we meet this guy in or at least the perspective that is extolled through his narrations and his, you know, sort of declining mental state as the movie goes on this guy who you know it, it's funny he uh, what is it because because uh american psycho is brett easton ellis right and then this is chuck polinick uh american psycho author yes okay yeah brett easton ellis. so is it, like it's interesting that these should come from a similar moment in time for both literature and cinema because like these do feel very akin to one another in a sense because you have this protagonist who's living this yuppie you know uh you know uh catalog successful kind of life where he's got the condo and he's got all his furniture needs taken care of and he spends time you know meticulously orchestrating and stressing over material things stuff and his life has become this sort of empty cycle of clocking into work where he doesn't feel very autonomous or empowered you know he feels obviously the ennui that comes with being just a cog in a repeating cycle in a society that prioritizes productivity and efficiency while also you know sort of creating these wasteful frameworks in order to achieve that at least some of the time 
certainly is illustrated by moments in this movie like they when they're having that little meeting and the guy takes a break to be like you know efficiency is the top priority as we go through the motions of this presentation and so like it's a fun thought experiment and i can see why again much like an american psycho or a joker or something like that um how you might have again it's easy to probably look upon this and and have it what am I trying to say? It's like there's not as clear of a prescribed, I guess, message only in that I would imagine that this is the kind of work that especially kind of peers back into the reader. And I can certainly see how some people would feel uh, gravitated toward and enticed by Tyler Durden's whole philosophy. And I can understand the sort of, again, feeling of of anger and sort of rage with no direction or no like proper outlet and um yeah just the resentment and uh and i don't know the the sort of decay that can put on your soul as you're sort of further and further consumed by you know the the bullshit of modern living and you know you don't feel very in control of or very powerful in your circumstances perhaps you know these are two guys who are living in the illusion of that and certainly american psycho you know looks at it more from the top whereas this is looking at at it more from the bottom you know it's like you have the the white collar yuppie guy in american psycho with that kind of specific ennui and detachment and disregard for human humanity in particular and then here you know you're looking up as you know uh, from the perspective of the marginalized and the forgotten not in terms of maybe uh you know th there are various ways in which you know you can find yourself in that position this way is looking at it from you know the sort of uh the middle class rat race kind of perspective where it's like yeah you're just one of a number of faceless cogs in a big machine and it doesn't really care about you and it just incentivizes you to keep consuming and to keep fretting about things that don't really matter when meaningful experience lies right outside and just outside the track that society sort of prescribes to you and then you know you basically watch as these characters these people who gravitate toward the fight club you know find their uh, uh, means of sort of yeah stripping all that away you know down to the bone sort of orchestrating this weird hyper physical ego death and like it's it's a fascinating thing and I think that that it it earns its contentious and also you know uh, well regarded place in you know both cinema and I'm sure literary history in that yeah like there are a lot of people who probably take the wrong message from this and, and who probably do just idolize Tyler wholesale. Um, and it's tricky because it's like certain of those philosophies kind of make sense. You know, it's like at least some of the baselines of, again, you know, not being so consumed by material items and, and yeah, having a cookie cutter life because that's what society tells you to do. If, you know, you're missing out on, you know, there's so many things that we, yeah, get wrapped up in and that feel so important and so, you know, sort of life altering or shaping or whatever it is so pertinent and they really aren't. And there's so many things that feel like rules in society that really aren't. But this is kind of taking the frustration that comes with, again, that lack of control and that lack of, you know, 
feeling that you're unique and valuable and all that stuff and it's taking it to like the furthest possible opposite extent where by the end they're making uh, their own faceless you know little uh um uh, you know this militia of sorts but that is basically all kind of trickling down from the orders of one guy and this one ideology and nobody has names everyone's kind of faceless they all dress the same and nobody asks questions and they're all just sort of like a hundred percent all in on this ideology and it's, you know, it's just an equal opposite, you know, sort of corrosive system that they create. And then you're watching as Jack, you know, is sort of in the middle of all this being pulled from, yeah, the ennui and the malaise that come with the rat race of society into this feral state of, yeah, like squatting in this old building and making soaps and learning how to homemade bombs and, and then, you know, literally taking to the streets and, and committing acts of terror and trying to physically destroy these things that keep us again, complacent and distracted by so many things that are unimportant by comparison to, you know, the things in life that really make us want to, you know, live and reach our best potential. And so it's like, you're watching all this mayhem again, and uh, this, this you know, sort of wild, unbridled, you know, corrosive id on display, basically. It's just following, like, the most base animal instincts, the most... It's making a collective, but out of, like, this individualist uh, kind of... I, I don't know, it's weird. It's, there's an interesting sort of individual, but then the group is also an individual because of how homogenized everything is, and we are a monolith. You know, nobody talks about this thing outside of the moments in which we... Uh, you know, meet up and, and that even too, like there are lots of great clues throughout to the Tyler twist. I think just, just again, thinking back on this first watch with like the flickers where he shows up or, or certain choice uh, moments of dialogue that are certainly going to uh, elude me now. But, um, but yeah, just like different ways in which they uh, uh, kind of draw attention to and, and foreshadow the twist, I think, are kind of fun and interesting. As well as as in this moment, I'm, re I'm reminded of the line where he basically says, like, you know, the fight club, this this thing we do doesn't exist. It only exists when we meet up to do this. And uh, and yeah, just like little cheeky uh, nods in the dialogue like that. And so then, yeah, physically in that moment, you know, Jack is in the center of the room addressing everyone as Tyler while the Jack persona, yeah, is sort of hangs in the periphery and observes. And it's interesting just to see, yeah, the different positions and proximities the personalities inhabit. Or even the way, again, just like when they're at the house, just Tyler is always just kind of like bouncing around in the back and he's always like munching on stuff. And he he's, I've, I wonder if they even maybe had him appearing and disappearing from places that wouldn't entirely make sense. Like he does feel like somebody who's just kind of walking around all through the back of this guy's mind, uh, you know, Jack. <laughs> and uh, and yeah, just like the way this all starts out, this is, yeah, definitely a stylized movie. The dialogue and the pace all have a, a real rhythm about them. Um, and I like the way that Ed Norton, you know, really brought this permeating sense of malaise and detachment throughout. Um, and I'm reminded of that one scene where he's like, you know, lying to the officer on the phone or, or feigning concern over his blown up apartment uh, as the guy's investigating. And it's like you're watching an actor give a performance where a guy is acting over the phone. And, you know, it's always a fun little meta layer where you're like, you know, Jack is probably not you know, the actor that Ed 
Norton is. So to watch somebody do that layer of I'm in character, but this character is acting. It's always an interesting thing. And I think that's a, another sort of nice little um, just spiritually attuned uh, little detail here. Um, and yeah, just his interplay off of Brad Pitt. And I do wonder if that's like a, an Easter egg that actually kind of cements that because Brad Pitt certainly is cast for a reason. Uh, he, I, I, again, at this time, I feel like his profile would have been pretty high and he's still in the younger phase of his career. So he's like, you know, super hot as is on display frequently throughout this. Um, and so I wonder if it is that thing where it's where it is that Jack's, you know, knows who Brad Pitt is and, uh, you know, sees some of his movies and just chose this guy subconsciously as you know the embodiment of all the things that he wished he could be his most alpha and his most masculine instincts and um yeah again that's that's the kind of interesting and conflicting thing about this is that there are aspects of tyler's message that are enticing and that do you know sort of call upon you to free yourself from yeah the shackles of the mundane the stuff in your life that's weighing you down because it's not actually important and like that scene where they hold the guy up at uh, the liquor store and he, you know, grills him about like, what'd you go to school for? You know, uh, stuff. Nah, you know, be more specific than that. Come on. You know, like this is important. This is a life and death situation. What did you go to school for? Biology. Why? Biology stuff. I don't know. I wanted to be a vet, you know, like getting past all these layers, you know, that, that we accumulate one, some of them are thrust on us. Some of them we pick up in, in different ways. But, you know, society, life in society, especially in modern society, you know, it is a, a hard thing to find your footing in, especially if you are not, you know, in the upper crust of it. You know, it can be really hard to find purpose in life and feel like you're in tune with, like, the reason that you're act actually here. And, you know, yeah, I think the interesting thing and the thing that makes this movie so heavily debatable is the fact that, yeah, on face value aspects of Tyler's, you know, call and philosophy, you know, do kind of uh, uh, ask that you, yeah, free yourself in some ways, you know, harshly, maybe ripping a Band-Aid off to kind of free yourself of, you know, so many things that you've been saddled with and, and to create the sort of rush of immediacy that forces you to make a choice, make a change, make a growth of some kind. Um, but yeah, it's just taken to the most rotten extent because it's not tempered by anything it becomes just this festering destructive miasma where it is you know seeking basically to inflict this ideology on everyone and everything to yeah reshape the world you know as we you know this this angry marginalized few sort of see fit angry entitled disaffected you know, to, to pull a buzzword, like it is the worst of all the masculine instincts kind of amalgamated together and then inflicted upon the world around. Because it's true. It's like it's interesting. You know, it's like, yeah, I think it's true that you don't really there are things you just don't ever know about yourself until you're in a fight or until you're in some kind of intense, maybe even life or death situation. And uh, and there are ways to deal with and sort of broach that, you know, that can be healthy or whatever, or at least can make you into a well-rounded person. And I feel like that's the interesting thing here is that like, you know, nobody's trying to get to the point of well-roundedness. It's like an extreme reaction to an extreme feeling that's begat by just a bunch of little, you know, again, mundane factors building up and overlapping into, yeah, a pile of what can often very much feel like bullshit and make people feel invisible and alone, but that but that, yeah, uh, you don't need to go destroying everyone's world literally 
to uh, make change on or to wake up from. I mean, it's up to the individual to wake up from this anyway and uh, not necessarily, again, to just inflict this chaos and this theory wantonly on everybody. And the further society goes and now we have a much more, you know, sort of technologically inclined society than when this movie was made. But it's still there in the way they reject TV and media and to the way you have ads throughout this movie. I was curious and I bet it's a little bit of both as to whether there was like product placement intentionally just to get budget or if it was also kind of messaging that, yeah, these advertising and and this stuff, this onslaught of stuff is just omnipotent and ever encroaching upon your reality. Um, you know, there's just, yeah, there's a lot to what Tyler Durden is getting at, or at least like the seed that grows this gnarled tree that is Tyler Durden. Um, you know, the waking up from, you know, the, the mundane rat race that chips away at your soul and that just mutes your passion and makes you feel, you know, castrated or impotent or, or, or you know, a in various ways, marginalized in various ways, you know, breaking out of that and and creating circumstances in which you have to really just sort of be in the moment here and now making a choice and, you know, unlocking the potential of, of just the randomness of being a lot like there are ways in which that message is valid and there are healthy ways of enacting it. But part of the point is that you're watching this philosophy filtered through the most extreme reaction to what is happening. I mean, this guy snaps, he blows up his apartment. By the end, we realize this guy snapped, uh, you know, blew up the apartment full of stuff he'd spent so much time sculpting and fussing over. And then, yeah, completely had a wholesale rejection of, you know, the entire societal system. And then by the end, realizes like, oh, God, I got to meet somewhere in the middle, actually. Uh, you've met me at a very strange time in my life where I'm finally maybe starting to learn that like yeah you do need to take control of your life and there are certain people you do just need to tell off there are certain things that you do need to you know uh reject or refuse to stand for or whatever it is however you can't just go forcing this on everybody and assuming that this one ideology is good for everyone because that's kind of what's happening and that's kind of what's happening in the thing that you're reacting to <laughs> um so yeah and then you have marla on the other side who is like just as much sort of left to languish you know on underneath the shadow of, you know, a pretty uncaring and, and constantly cycling system. And I mean, their relationship, a part of me was expecting her not to be real by the end too, just because again, like whenever she steps out into traffic, there's this just sort of like un otherworldly thing where like, you know, just like the cars gracefully are always missing her. And like whenever Ed Norton steps out on the street, it's complete opposite, it's just like chaos immediately. Um, but yeah, her presence, I would be curious to go back and re-examine because, you know, he, he meets this girl in his space. And I mean, there are women in these support groups, but I think that there's something else interesting in the fact that, yeah, he's and, and what a twisted hook to start off with this guy who is, you know, emotionally repressed and who feels, again, just marginalized by the circumstances of his life and, and made sort of voiceless and impotent and and, uh, you know, unimportant by all these other concerns around him that he is just sort of in the middle of maintaining, uh, you know, he finds a means of, you know, unlocking his vulnerability and his emotions, but also in like a weird experimental kind of anthropological sociopathic kind of way, <laughs> crashing uh, these support groups, pretending to have these ailments, becoming territorial over them, gatekeeping them. And then this girl shows up who 
is this is in the same form as him. It's like there are other women in the support groups and stuff, but you don't really ever they don't really ever break out of the ensembles of those moments. Whereas like Marla, you know, is you know, kind of the, the equal, you know, female counterpart in certain ways to Jack, except a little less unhinged, uh, you know, from a different life per- experience, different perspective, etc. And like watching them work out who gets which support groups when and all that stuff. And just, yeah, that idea that this guy is like unlocking his ability to like feel these these unbroken swells of emotion that have probably been building up and festering for so long only to then swing back in the opposite direction like it's an interesting sort of uh uh exploration of yeah of coming of age when your growth is sort of stunted by a lot of the things that can stunt growth in society it's easy to grow up into a 30 year old boy or child or whatever he says there so yeah coming to this place where it's like he gets these extreme emotional outbursts and and outpourings you know through these you know intimate interactions with these uh these survivors or these people who are coping with various ailments people who actually have real pro that's the thing is is i think it doesn't help to be like these people have real problems and the character of jack doesn't it's like their problems are are much more grim and existential in a sense certainly uh, and, you know, it doesn't always it doesn't pay to start comparing, you know, problems. But, yeah, it's like if you're looking at it from the outside, you're like this guy who doesn't have any sort of like real life threatening problem at the moment other than, yeah, the sort of oppressive malaise that can set on when you're living in capitalist society. Uh, yeah, it's like he's this grifting sort of cipher that comes in and and that genuinely seems to, I guess, maybe want to feel something, but also doesn't understand enough to process all of those emotions. And then, yeah, instead of, you know, I guess the, the reason that doesn't fully work is because, yeah, it's, it's it still doesn't fix the, you know, sort of sense of rage from within and the and the longing to like take some kind of meaningful action to catch everyone's attention and change everything. And I think there's also just the idea that, you know, nihilistic destruction only leads to and begets more nihilistic destruction. And so by the end of the movie, I almost feel like, yeah, it's like he went to one extreme, you know, just sort of trying to understand emotion the most extreme way possible in order to get that catharsis, then going switching over to the most physical catharsis, tearing down my soul first, then tearing down my body and the world around me, and then finally resting at the end in a sort of middle place of like, you know what? Maybe instead of like trying to divide everything up and and keep, you know, here's your stuff, Marla, and here's my stuff over here, you know, instead I think we can kind of look at the world around and realize that we're both caught up in this and there's probably not a lot we can do to completely control and change it because we are just two small figures in a crumbling, you know, skyline here. However, um, you know, maybe something in between these two instincts can lead us forward and maybe together we can do that instead of, again, homogenizing and tearing down and destroying and, again, just, you know, kind of devolving into amoral anarchic chaos. Because, yeah, like, there are ways in which, you know, we have been separated from the natural world and our animal instincts and our, you know, sort of traditional roles as hunter-gatherers and, and things like that. Um, however, <laughs> you know, uh, there's a way to embody those things without, 
just perpetuating wanton toxic destruction, which is, you know, sort of the furthest extent that this ideology, this fight club grows into is just like the unchecked, you know, id, the unchecked desire to just, you know, destroy, rebuild and destroy again and probably not even rebuild that, you know, sturdily in the first place. And then, yeah, sort of waking up to the idea uh, when it's maybe too late, you know, that uh, that, yeah, maybe this ideology is a bit problematic, a bit toxic. And once you let that cat out of the bag and once that, you know, spreads to enough people, you might not be able to contain it again. And then you might have some real problems on your hands as are demonstrated by the fact that he's like running around being like, oh, my God, what have I done? What have I created? Just this 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 one, you know, sort of snap has, you know, spread so far beyond me into all these other people. And uh, and is creating, yeah, this sort of dystopic, you know, terrorist threat now, which, you know, as time moves forward and it's like we've seen it in movies like the Batman as well with the Riddler and the way, you know, that is pulling obviously from radicalization that has happened online that's been spurred on by, you know, movies and, and stories and ideologies similar to this, you know, and, and certainly inspired by this, you know, it's it's a fascinating, uh, again, piece of social satire and i guess that's always the risk of satire as well is that it it always will run the risk of being misinterpreted as something you know genuine <laughs> by people who simply share the ideology that is being satired uh so i mean yeah it's 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 always fascinating to watch a movie or a piece like this because you just feel the way in which again what it's communicating and and the ideas it's exploring are very much sort of relevant and alive and and permeate our current moment, perhaps even more than they did, you know, or at least in a more visible way than they did when this was released originally. I can see why a lot of people latch on to this, probably, who do, you know, kind of feel like they're owed something and are angry and who want to, yeah, tear down the complacent society that doesn't care about you and that feeds you all this meaningless nonsense and expects you to just keep the cycle humming while a couple people at the top really live the good life while all the rest of us are down here aspiring like there's a lot of legitimate anger that permeates this and yeah just like the most toxic extent of all the most masculine instincts of counteracting it and so yeah it's like marla is a total mess too and is a junkie and various other things and is yeah again living in complete poverty but has like a totally different sort of means of flitting through these scenes and scenarios and so like her mania and the tyler durden mania are like very different but they do pose these interesting sort of complementary yin yangish influences on uh jack you know as his his little table here uh yeah i don't know like there's i'm sure there's plenty that's already been said about this movie and i feel like i'm rambling a bit just because it is such a, a piece and it is uh pretty rich with you know both style and themes i mean david fincher obviously is well known for having an intense you know sort of uh, eye for exactly what he wants and, and for exactly how he wants his movies paced out and composed and what the rhythm should be. And yeah, I mean, this was wild um, and irreverent and, and, and it certainly had a, a pace to it, but it wasn't like, yeah, some kind of like, you know, create, it wasn't like watching like a Guy Ritchie movie where it's like every moment is like zip, 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 but it does constantly have this percolating music and this really stylized dialogue but that isn't too 
wacky, you know, and uh, and yeah, just like some really fascinating and interesting cinematic choices. And two with David Fincher, I mean, certainly when to use CG and, and certainly there are like there's that one uh, lovemaking scene. There's the uh, kitchen exploding and stuff like that. Uh, uh, the bomb wires, things that, you know, use CG in ways that you would probably need it for, you know, to do what he wants to do. But it is interesting because we think of these guys and and there's been talk lately of, you know, like, oh, no CG and whatever the killer or whatever. Um, but, you know, and even in Panic Room, I remember seeing a, a featurette about like how they CG'd completely one of the sequences or something like that. And you can tell more now, but I think it is interesting just to see those moments in a movie like this uh, because again, you, do, you have like so many people who have shown up in comic book movies and big blockbusters and stuff. So to see these like totally CG sequences, but that are for completely different purposes than they would normally nowadays be used in uh, is just sort of fun and interesting. And, uh, and yeah, like the whole concept of the fight club itself and just all the people that it attracts and all these, again, different guys who are yearning in some way, shape or form to feel powerful or to at least feel in control. And, and yeah, the euphoria and freedom, it, it is fascinating. It is a, an unruly and a multifaceted piece for sure. And uh, I'm definitely going to be thinking about it just more and more. I'm excited to hear more discussion now that I actually have the full picture in mind and, and can sort of jump into the nitty gritty details because again, you know, this movie famously carries with it uh, this sort of uh, just this mantle of being a problematic fave for a lot of people. And I could absolutely see how you would watch this from one perspective versus another. I found this to be very darkly funny and I can imagine a lot of people maybe not finding it so much or finding different aspects darkly funny. And it all depends on, again, where your humanity lies and, and how you, you know, process things like marginalization and rage and, uh, and just, the friction that comes with living in the system in general. But yeah, I thought this was a pretty effective piece of sort of darkly comedic social satire and film stylings, obviously. Again, great soundtrack, uh, really well composed by David Fincher. And again, like this is a pulpy movie. Uh, I've, you know, we watched Zodiac recently. Like I'm used to the more restrained Fincher. And this one, while it's not like a horror movie or anything, like there are some real harsh moments of violence and gore and stuff like that. And, uh, and yeah, I think the cast all does a really nice job. You got Jared Leto before he was Jared Leto, uh, meatloaf in here. And of course, Brad Pitt and Edward Norton, uh, are, are, you know, great as the center of the movie, Helena Bonham Carter too, seeing her in a role, very befitting of, of kind of what I associate with a lot of the characters she plays, but in a mode that's a little bit before, you know, her peak, like blockbuster version of that with Harry Potter and things like that. Um, so yeah, like this is so much to sum up, uh, but I'm really glad that I finally seen it. It, it, it. it is and isn't what I was expecting in a lot of ways. And, uh, and yeah, like, I can see the treachery of this movie as a power fantasy, but I can also see the the potency and the salience as a cautionary tale. And uh, yeah, I'm curious to hear your guys' thoughts on it. So uh, let me know what you're thinking on Fight Club. Is it one of your favorite movies? Uh, you know, do you hate this movie? What's your take on it? Uh, yeah, hit me up in the comments, and we'll see you on the next one. Much love for now, and as always, cheers. Mm-hmm.